0: This is Shireen Saad on the HIA podcast. We have Aya Metwally calling in from Beirut. Welcome, Aya. So happy to play your music and talk to you today. Hi, Shireen. I'm, I'm um, as
1: happy as you are. <laughs> I'm very happy to have this chance to, you know,
0: talk about women <laughs> stuff. Yeah, we're all locked in our apartments all over the world. And I think we have a lot of time to think and to listen and to feel. And I love the fact that we can connect and uh, have these conversations. So I really wanted to take this opportunity to have these connections that maybe we couldn't have before with when we didn't have this weird Zoom app.
1: <laughs> yeah. I just discovered it, uh, like one month ago, I didn't know it existed. I don't know if it even existed before Corona.
0: It became popular now and now people are playing concerts. And it's a strange uh, example of technology really bringing people closer together.
1: In a way. In a way, way. exactly. Exactly.
0: It would be more fun for us to actually be in Beirut (laughs) right now together. So tell me, Aya, you're Egyptian. Um, You were born in Cairo, right? I was born
1: in Cairo in uh, 1988. And uh, I lived in Cairo all my life. And then I moved to Beirut when I was 27. I moved for love, basically, I, <laughs> I moved for, uh, for a boyfriend, and then uh, I decided to stay because I, I fell in love with the city, and uh, here I am five years later. So do you miss Egypt at all? I do. I really do. I miss, you know, I miss my family, I I miss my friends, and there are certain things about Egypt that I miss very much, uh, because living in, in a country for 27 years does this thing to you. I mean, there is this inevitable connection that I have with Cairo, and it's still very much implanted in me, and I miss it most of the times, but not everything because there is a lot uh, that uh, is not to be missed so you know it's
0: um yeah of course so you come from a great musical tradition especially as a woman uh, using your voice as a tool of expression and i really want to start especially now that we've played this beautiful song Uh, haunting song uh, with you know your beautiful voice and the beat it's uh, really simple and it really kind of envelops you and makes you feel all sorts of very powerful emotions so i wanted to talk to you about this song uh, the inspirations behind it and uh, your early connection with egyptian music
1: so the
0: song you just played is a rendition of a classic
1: um kathom song I grew up uh, listening to Umm Kalthoum without my uh, choice <laughs> because I grew up in a family. I mean, both my parents were crazy about classical music. So the, the soundtrack of my life as a child before I was able to choose my own music and develop my own taste was Umm Kalthoum, it was uh, Abil Luhib. it was Farid al And I spent some time between uh, my teenage years and my adult years where I was completely oblivious of the the amount of influence it has on me. But then uh, recently I started to, um, things started to surface up and I find that uh, even though I wasn't really uh, playing it on purpose, it still uh, shaped a big part of my um, drive and and my uh, way of making music, way of uh, creating melody. So uh, when I noticed that, I decided to
0: work on it more. And, and this is how the this track came out. So tell me more about this track. When did you make it? How did you make it? How did you record uh, your voice? Do you have access to a studio? Are you doing everything yourself? Are you producing your own music? And also, how do you release your music? Like once you finish a track, What's the process I think uh, now with technology things are really changing and musicians have um, uh, new tools for sure for sharing their music and also were you playing uh, your music live um, in Egypt and in Beirut as soon as you released it I'm not uh, I do not cover um I'm not um, uh,
1: I cannot go there you know because uh, she's a legend and I cannot uh, cover her song so I just thought that um, maybe I see how it makes me feel and translate that into uh, music and this is where the beat uh, came from and and, and the whole track came from. That was four or five years ago maybe and by the time I wrote that song I was already performing uh, in Cairo. I was performing my own material on um, an acoustic guitar before I was introduced to electronics and then when I studied uh, electronic music production in the Epic 101 Studios in Cairo, I then introduced uh, electronics to my music and started to incorporate that into my live shows. But then when I came to Beirut, I wasn't really performing that much. I I think I spent three years in Beirut without performing at all. And then I decided to go out there and, and, and see what happens. First of all, moving completely to a new city is, is scary, and um, I took a lot of time to, to uh, settle down, you know, emotionally and psychologically in, in, in a new place. And uh, I wasn't ready to, to come out as a performer when I was still a bit uncomfortable. Uh, in the city I didn't have uh, I didn't feel at the time home so I didn't have the courage and um, also because the audience is different at that point I hadn't performed anywhere except for Cairo and um, I kind of got to know the audience in Cairo uh, they became familiar when they come to gigs it's familiar faces and um, i know i can more or less tell by their faces if they like it or if they don't but in beirut i didn't really understand the audience i didn't know them so facing them was a big step for me and i didn't know if
0: it was gonna go well so i kept postponing so let's get back to Um uncle sum i really want to hear a little more about how Um uncle sum inspired you and then how and with this track how you were uh, able to take her legacy, which is untouchable, of course. I mean, it's, I mean, it's impossible to touch Uncle Soom and then you did it and you transformed into your own expression, which I think is so beautiful. So tell me more about what she represents for you and how you think you were able to honor her while making the song your own.
1: Uncle Soom for me brings back uh, road trips from a long time ago with my parents. On on the way to the beach, and and my father would always play on kazzum on cassette tape in the car, and um, I think what what represents for me is my subconscious in a way because I wasn't really aware of what I'm listening to. I I I hadn't really developed an, an ear yet, so it's just there in the back of my head. So it's 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 a big part of my you know. Subconscious mind and subconscious feeling um, when I s- grew up enough to understand f- for me, she was an icon. I mean no one can deny that she is an icon for in music in, the, in in Egypt and in the whole region and in the whole world and and this was very inspiring for me for a woman to be able to uh, stand on stage and in front of that many people and then just stun them with her voice and uh, and you know and be like so powerful in, in, in the way her presence is and the way she sings so so this all was um, for me it was um, uh, you know like lessons. Uh, when I listen to the music or when I uh, see um, uh, uh, videos of her concerts, it's like a lesson I'm learning. And um, I think the only reason I um, I was able to uh, do a rendition of the song is um, is when I decided that I cannot and I will not try to cover it because I am not um, capable of of uh, covering a song. So I decided to use the same words and the same uh, melody but uh, exactly as you said make it my own or or make it um, uh, more of an interpretation than a cover Uh, because otherwise it's too scary if if i say i'm gonna cover an Uncle sun song i i i I would never do that and i don't understand the people
0: who, who do to be honest what does this song mean to you what is it about
1: Okay so it's it's the, the, the lyrics um it's it's a very um it has the, the the pain or the frustration of waiting um and and for me there's some sort of um not not boredom but um uh, you know when you're waiting and you're uh, <laughs> Uh, It's this feeling that uh, you really want that person to come and and so you're fed up and at the same time you're singing. So so that was this track and it's different from everything I did before. I mean, it's different from all the music I used to make before or, or at least the ones I released. Um, before that, I released an EP, Beta, uh, which is very different. Um, if, if you'd like, we can hear something from from the EP. We can play maybe "All the Golden Earth."
0: Okay, I'll I'll I'll, tr- I'll line up that track. But meanwhile, I want to talk a little bit more about Uncle Zoom because I think what's amazing about Uncle Zoom is that she's an icon of. Uh, arab revolutionary movements um she's an icon also of love right and then she sings about being in a position of longing of waiting of suffering but we see her as a very powerful figure like she's not a victim right of love no she Mm -hmm. sings about suffering and yet her voice itself transforms this emotion of suffering into something that's So empowering, I think, for women. So I want to hear a little more about that. Then I'll line up the track while you explain. In my opinion,
1: uh, everything before Om Kalsum fell more into the entertainment. It it fell more under entertainment. Let's talk Munir al or It was was more, they used to sing in a a casino. They were presenting themselves as uh, objects, more or less um uh, knowingly and willingly, it's not that they didn't want to, but, um, but I think when Omu Kalthum started, um, she wasn't at all presenting herself as a, as a means of entertainment, uh, she owned the, the stage. And she was not trying to portray any sexuality or anything, even though her songs are, some of them are super sexual. And she would just stand there uh, like uh, you know, like a goddess and, 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 and sing in a very deep uh, voice. It's coming from the insides of her stomach and, um, and just present that to the people. And she was owning, she was totally owning what she was singing about. So for me, that's, that's groundbreaking and the fact that people would stay at home every friday to listen uh, to her concerts for you know and, and a song that lasts for an hour and they would sit down and gather around the radio and actually wait for that from week to week and she was in charge <laughs> she was yeah she was an, an icon of power Yes. Yeah, so when you said
0: that um, you know before her it was all entertainment, that's actually a question that I'm really interested in, especially with Hia the podcast. You know, a lot of uh, the women I'm featuring. It's a punk gesture that they're making with their music. And I'm referring to this book by my friend, uh, the musician from The Slits, the band The Slits, uh, who wrote this book called Revenge of the She-Punks. It came out this year. And it's like my Bible, even though I'm not religious at all, because (laughs) because she's talking about this idea that punk gestures by women are the ultimate act of disobedience to the patriarchy. And with Hia, I think my idea was that if we cannot speak up in public, if we cannot speak up even in our own homes, then maybe the way we make music in a way that's disturbing, or maybe in a way that's different from what's expected of us, where like, you know, a lot of like the pop girls that I don't even know their names, right, but like that everybody loves, like they're so sexual, and they're so like, manufactured, and they, uh, you know, their songs are so empty. And, yeah. uh, and, and so when we're making music, listening to music, that's taking a, a stance away from that, um, yeah. I think that's a really punk gesture. And I think there's like a lot of punk emotion in what you're doing, which I love.
1: <laughs> I'd love to consider myself uh, punk. <laughs> um, it's very tricky. It's a very, very tricky issue because um, I am by no means against women being sexual. I mean, if if sexual, sexual is what they want to be, and if this is how they want to express themselves, then be it. If they're owning it, then there is no problem whatsoever. I really don't mind all the pop divas, and I'm, I'm not against that. I'm not against women being pre- pretty, you know what I mean? um what i'm against is uh, the the notion or the belief that this is all there is so um, when a woman has the power to show more than that or go further than that uh, then we start you know really uh, noticing uh, that she is uh, somebody she is presenting something and not just uh, entertainment and my favorite, um, you know, combination is uh, is uh, a, a pop diva persona, which actually presents something um, um, of content, or you know, even if she's just owning herself or just going out there and, and not caring about anyone. This, for me, is uh, is great. Uh, if we talk like Madonna, Lady Gaga, like a lot of the. Pop icons, for me, are, uh, are very powerful. They're not just being exploited. They own they own it. They're, they own their bodies, own their sexualities, this, and if this is what they want to do, then this is what they want to do. Uh, so I'm, I'm by no means against that. Um, and I think that it's also punk, you know, what pop uh, divas present, if they're really owning it and they're just not being... Uh, manipulated by a man and just to, to make money or whatever, then this is, uh, that's punk as well. <laughs> so, uh, so there are many different ways to be punk. You can completely disregard uh, the fact that you're a woman and not present yourself as a woman and, and completely forget about gender and, and, and do your thing. And you can also use that. For your own, uh, you know, uh, good. You can exploit the fact that a woman uh, should look like that. And you actually go out looking like that and, and, and owning it, you know. And this is intimidating for men. So it's also uh, a win-win situation. <laughs> so are you punk? Uh, I'd love to think so, yes. But I think I am. <laughs> I'd love to think so.
0: All the gold on earth playing now. Two words about all the gold on Earth, punk and poetry. These are the emotions, thoughts that came to my mind. Uh, You know, the thing about gold
1: is that uh, it actually comes from outer space. I mean, gold is an element. Uh, It is believed to to be a remnant of explosions of um, stars that uh, still remains on Earth. So this is fascinating for me.
0: When did you make this song and what were you thinking about?
1: I made this song in, uh, let's say, 2013, 2014. Um, when I was, uh, let's say, transforming into a, a more punk version of myself. And uh, the thing with gold is that I... Um, I never liked to uh, wear gold when I was young because uh, for me it brought too much attention and I think uh, I wasn't ready to receive uh, you know that much uh, attention or or I just was didn't want to ask for that much attention. And then as I grew up, I uh, discovered that uh, I'm in love with gold. (laughs) Now I I want to, you know, like gold is my favorite color. It's my favorite element and I want to be, I want to swim in (laughs) gold and because I think I I made peace with the fact that uh, um, it's nice to actually grab attention and I just, you know, on things and then yeah and just go out there so uh, this is how the song came out i think <laughs> this is where the lyrics came from in 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 appreciation of
0: gold so cool and what about all the noise the noise is fascinating like again a very simple beat and then all these like noisy sounds that take over well, t- to tell you something, I
1: I, um, I think you asked me earlier, and I didn't answer that if if I was uh, if I had access to a studio, which I don't. So a lot of the things I record uh, actually catch a lot of uh, ambient noise from the room, or if I'm recording um, a guitar through an amplifier, and I don't know the exact way to place the microphone, so I get like a and A recording that that is faulty in, in you know in, in the in the technical sense, but for me it sounds great. So a lot of the noise actually happens uh, by chance because I'm recording you know <laughs> uh, DIY kind of uh, kind of spirit, um, and I keep it. I decide to keep it because um, um, I, I personally I don't like clean sounding music. I really enjoy music that has some sort of grit or dirt in it and, and, and mistakes and, uh, you know, glitches. And th- this is what um, satisfies me. So,
0: Like beauty, it has, to be, uh, it has to be messy. It has to be imperfect, right?
1: Yeah, per- per- perfection, like the polished perfection doesn't really do it for me. <laughs>
0: So in terms of what you listen to, what you love, uh, both from regional artists and international artists, I'm really curious to hear more about your influences now as a working musician.
1: Okay, I'll start with the regional artists, because it's easier, uh, because they're clear for me, there are a few people that I really love, uh, I love what they do, there's Youssef Abouzid, um, who who is the founder of uh, the band Pan Stars and also a few other projects. And then uh, lately he's been making his solo work. Uh, he's been producing albums uh, solo. And uh, I think this is the closest I've ever felt to to an album or music, uh, is when I listen to his stuff. I, I, f- I feel that I can relate very well. Uh, so he's definitely a favorite from the region. Uh, there's also uh, Temer Bugazela. Whenever he starts to sing, you know, my heart cries. <laughs> I think he's uh, he's also very uh, talented and, and very sensitive to the way he writes music. And speaking of international uh, musicians, it's very difficult because um, I listen to a lot of things. And um, for me, listening to music is not, um, you know, it's not like I have a favorite album, which I will play whenever I want to listen to music. No, I like to sit down and play things that I never listened to before. And it's like watching a movie. You, You wouldn't watch the same movie. I mean, you can definitely watch the same movie again and again but it's nice to watch different movies and and, you know to see to actually listen to actually hear and and learn to to really actively listen so for me i can't think of someone off the top of my head where i'd say you know this is my go-to or this is my inspiration i just really sit down and listen to everything everything and um some of them, uh, uh, you know, leave an impact and some I learn something from and then I forget about. Also, I have a very bad memory. so <laughs> Half of the things I listen to, if not more, I, I don't remember even.
0: I understand. I mean, we are absorbing so much. I think it's part of what we do. We're just constantly absorbing, absorbing and then making it our own. Uh, so tell me more about performing as an artist. So you studied uh, dancing and performance. And then you started performing as a musician and then traveling. So tell me how you grew as a musician and how traveling, gigs, meeting other musicians and people in, in music helped you find your voice. Performing is, um,
1: for me, it's an all-encompassing uh, term. You can apply it to uh, performing a, a music set, you can apply it to a theater, you can apply it to dance, you can apply it to performance art, anything, you, um, anything that has a, a connection, a direct connection with you and the audience for me, um, it's, it's all very well connected. So dance for me happened later in my life. I I wasn't raised as a dancer. I, I I've always had a we had a piano at home and I took piano lessons when I was younger. But when I was younger, I did not go to dance lessons. So I was never I never saw myself as a dancer or as a mover. And then uh, a brilliant dance school opened in Cairo, which is the Cairo Contemporary Dance School. And um, it's founded by Karima Mansour. He's also, he, she's also one of my uh, muses and idols. And one of the women I really look up to. So I decided to enter because it uh, did not require any previous experience. And I didn't understand how can a dance school not ask for previous experience. I didn't know what that uh, means. <laughs> and. When I entered, I discovered that dance is, uh, you know, a lot of um, other things. It's not just ballet, it's not just the form, it's not just the lines, it's your relationship between you and your body. It's you understanding your body. You can, uh, you know, by just moving a finger, if you have the, in, the awareness and the presence, uh, you can call that dance if you want to. Um, so dance is an umbrella that goes way beyond our perception of, uh, you know, a dancer and how a dancer should be. So when I studied at that school and, and, and started really getting to know my body and, and, and understanding what presence is, um, by default, I became a better performer i mean um, w- when you 're on stage, even if you 're singing you 're also dancing in a way, even if you 're not like really doing a choreography, but the presence of your body and the way you 're standing and the the way you move you know it's it 's all a dance for me so it all uh, you know it all uh, it 's basically all tools uh, that teaches you how to uh, express something, whether with your body or with your voice or with sound or with painting or whatever you can think of or with film, it's all expression. And uh, to learn one thing definitely helps uh, uh, the other thing.
0: Yeah. And the next question is a tricky one, of course. It's a painful one for all of us because I think, you know, we're all struggling with trauma. I mean, we come from a region that's so complicated, first of all. And, you know, recently we've had to deal with even more trauma between the Arab Springs or what they call the Arab Springs and international conflicts and and so on. And as an Egyptian and now as a resident of Beirut, I think you've seen two major protest movements rise. And both protest movements were fueled by ideological dissent and also by creative dissent. In both movements, you had very important artistic voices uh, rising on the street. And I think that's so interesting. Um, uh, I was not in Cairo, um, and I was in Beirut when it started, but I didn't stay. So I'd like to hear, as a witness, really, what you saw, what you heard, and how you it, made, it changed uh, the way you felt about the region and about the role of the artist?
1: Just to put things in perspective, when when the revolution started in Cairo, I was only 20 years old. So I was only beginning to um, uh, develop into adulthood. I was, uh, you know, still uh, (laughs) a confused uh, uh, human being. And uh, I think for, for me, when the revolution happened in Cairo, it was like a punch in the face and uh, uh, that's made me see things for what they are, that's made me see how um, uh, problematic everything in the region is, how problematic um, uh, the politics in, in, in the country is, things I wouldn't normally think about before. So generally speaking, it turned me into a more conscious and more aware person. Uh, there was um, a lot of um, emotional roller coaster happening, and there was a lot of hope, and then a lot of disappointment, and then a lot of hope again, and then uh, you know fear, and then sadness, and then depression, and then a lot of hope again, and then disappointment again. So this roller coaster, I think, um, exercised my uh, emotions <laughs> very well and um, to see the desperation that happened after everything um, i i couldn't help but become a pessimist i i'm not gonna lie to you and tell you that uh, the world is uh, you know uh, pink it's not anymore for me Um, when things uh, hit uh, the ground i i i don't know i just don't believe um, I mean I believe in the power of anger and I believe in the power of of uh, you know the the fire that that uh, makes people go out on the streets and, and and revolt, but for me. I am unable to see this leading anywhere. So when it happened in Beirut, I was already, you know, uh, I had already experienced a very big disappointment. So so when it happened in Beirut, I couldn't be uh, optimistic. And I was very skeptical. And I don't know, I I think I became... um, Uh, Part of me died, like this hopeful part, it already died. So so I I wasn't able to participate and and, and really hope for the best. But what I took out of the whole thing is that this anger and this um, fire, I I use it differently. I don't use it, you know, to go out on the street and revolt. I use it for my own life. I revolted against a lot of things uh, as a a person, you know, and... um, um for me, uh, this maybe was triggered by, uh, by the revolution because I, I saw that actually people can revolt, someone can revolt against something they don't like. Uh, society, to begin with, uh, in Cairo. Uh, patriarchy, my parents, uh, my father, my, uh, you know, uh, the whole, uh, uh, the fact that I left uh, my family and, and, and came to live alone. The fact that I live alone, the fact that I'm turning thirty-two and I'm not married with kids—you know—a lot of uh, stereotypes that I decided to just uh, break and and and, and um, not fall for. Uh, for me, this is this is my fight. This is my revolution, you know, in, uh, in a way, and not something political. You know, I have enough on my shoulders that, <laughs> that I really yeah, can't. Uh, can't do anything for the world, I'm just like, barely doing things for myself.
0: So what about your music? Is it an escape for you? Is it a place of, of healing, of catharsis, where you can process all these emotions and sort of create some kind of order or beauty out of chaos?
1: It, it definitely is. It definitely is. I think it's, it's the reason I'm still sane. Uh, otherwise, I don't know what could have happened. Uh, also, it gives me a lot of power uh, when, when I turn this into music and then uh, people can relate or, or you know, it, it, it gives me power and um, it gives me the strength to just keep going and, and no matter what and I just do what I do. Okay, Yala. So
0: now we're going to play, how do you pronounce it? Maniaka. Yani <laughs> Yeah, manyake <laughs> you have to say what the lyrics are it's, I love it
1: it's <laughs> <laughs> I love it <laughs> the, the, the thing is that you know the, the thing is that at some point I, 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 I think I've never really taken myself seriously but at some point I really realized that I'm not taking myself seriously and I decided to just think about it, you know i 'm really not taking this whole thing seriously, so this is how it came out. What are the rest
0: of the lyrics saying?
1: okay and what's and I sleep before him and I wake up before him and I, I rarely i 'm rarely able to fall asleep um, uh, People just keep on uh, talking to me. Uh, Every day I eat pineapples first thing in the morning. It's, just, it's, it's really just about, you know, the, the words, they sound alike. So I was playing with that. It's, okay. I never ever go to the sporting club. Uh am <laughs> <laughs> a friend of mine, actually this is very, uh, it, it's it's nice to mention, a friend of mine when I was making music back then, he told me you're still not a sea, um, you know, and then after I released that track, he told me, okay, you're an ocean now, <laughs> he, so was talking, he was talking about like, you know, maturity in a way, and you, because back then I used to do like things that were a bit, you know, shy and stuff, so... He told me, "No you're not a c and then I just hit him with that and he's like, okay uh, it is written for Baytech, uh, two thousand fifteen it i i think it was yeah it was in the in the in that time where I was really really transforming it was actually a, a, a little, in like a short time after I moved to Beirut, so i was already you know uh, i had already left home and uh, I was living alone so i was already becoming too I was already becoming myself in a way. So um, uh, yeah, this for me is an epitome of uh, transformation and I hold it very dear to me. It's also very related to revolution. If, if we're going to uh, try to make a connection for me, it's revolutionary
0: in a, in a way for, 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 for in my own you know, world. Why? And also why is it called Beitak?
1: Because it, it was about um, most of the emotions that actually kick-started start, kick the, the album was, was in a person's house where I wasn't really feeling comfortable and um, at some point um, I decided to not sing my old songs anymore and I had a gig at the Cairo Jazz Club and... Um, I decided to not sing anything because I couldn't feel my old songs and decided to just improvise whatever happens on the spot. And I found myself singing about that person's house, and this is this was the first time the words came out of my mouth and you know in front of people and just came out. Uh, and then I built on it. Uh, I liked the fact that it's very intimate because you know someone's house is is very intimate space and I'm not easily, I'm not a person who easily feels comfortable in, in, in spaces. So uh, I, I decided to keep that and, and add to it. And, and this
0: is how uh, baitek uh, was born. And then how is it linked to the revolutions? Mm. This idea of the home?
1: It's It's not directly linked, but I think for me, the home is not, you know, we grow up thinking that uh, you should uh, buy a house and uh, do a life in a very certain way, and this is what you call a home, when in fact, uh, you can uh, be anywhere and you can uh, call whatever space you want a home. A home is not necessarily this uh, concrete, uh, stable, you know, the notion of stability. I think we need to revolt against that because it doesn't exist, stability does not exist at all. So, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, a brain teaser so that you would think about what home is and and what it isn't.
0: In terms of cultural identity, you know, obviously we all think a lot about the idea of the home and especially. us i mean a lot of us you grew up with uncle soon but a lot of us grew up with mtv you know knowing our own culture and then traveling around us in lebanon we had the civil war so we didn't even live in our own country yeah Uh, but then you think about language i love the fact that you sing in arabic you know language um and thinking about identity you know what does it mean to be an arab today what does it mean to be an arab woman today Um, when we've been colonized in so many ways and when our own culture is so violent to us also in so many ways right like yeah. that we don't feel that we belong that we are allowed to belong here but still we want to be part of it
1: <laughs> yeah. it means so many things I mean I can't even begin to pinpoint it for me the fact that uh, we don't know what it means, and the fact that it, it's very uh, chaotic and and uh, confusing, is something that brings us together. Uh, you know, unlike uh, someone who lived uh, his whole life in a country where everything was stable and he didn't feel any confusion. So this this um, this confusion and this um, absurdity uh, and chaos. I think it, it it's exactly what makes us what we are. And, and I don't think that Europeans or Americans really get it because, you know, there's something about Arabs, there's a sense of humor, there's a sense of... there is I think there's a collective nihilism in a way. We're all nihilistic and we're all hopeless, but also at the, at the same time... Uh, 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 we love life so much, so um, and we're very warm. I mean, I'm just you know saying things off the top of my head. Uh, this is what I think. What makes me an Arab, or, or what makes me want to stay in an Arab country? Because otherwise, it's too cold for me, and and, and too proper
0: and too organized,
1: <laughs> you know.
0: It's neither proper or organized. I mean, in America right now, it is reminding me of of Lebanon. And it's funny because they have an expression here called, uh, it's Beirut. And for them, when they say it's Beirut, it means it's like a total chaos. (laughs) But honestly, Beirut looks pretty good compared to America right now.
1: Yeah, but well, the world is shaken right now. Nothing is, is what it was or what it is. Uh, yeah it's it's a disaster what's happening
0: i mean it's a disaster but in where i think we're creating so much order and harmony through music and i think that's why a lot of us right now we're, we're in lockdown and you know we're not seeing anybody but we're feeling so many emotions through music we listen to music all day yeah uh, a lot of us are playing music with others Um, So I think a lot of us have rediscovered the power of music to heal. Yeah, rediscovered the power of
1: being alone also. Honestly, I think we're lucky that we're having this mandatory
0: alone time. (laughs) How are you using this um, alone time? Or not using it?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really not very productive. (laughs) But uh, I'm I'm receiving very well and being very receptive, watching things. that uh, You know, if every person has a list of things they want to watch and listen to. Over the years, you just bookmark things and then you never, ever go back to them. I started to actually go back to that list and watch things I've been wa- wanting to watch and listen to things I've been wanting to listen to and spending time with the cats and cooking and... No, I'm taking it easy. Um,
0: I'm, I'm happy to, uh, to, to, to take a break. Well, that's cool because I'm lucky that now that all the musicians are not touring and gigging, I can actually talk to all of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Aya. I loved talking to you. Um, Likewise. From Beirut. I want to unfortunately close our conversation with this song called "Fain Inta. So if you want to just quickly... Tell me about it, I'll play it, and I'll, I'll see you very soon.
1: Yeah, well, Fininta is also part of Biotech, uh, and it's a, it's a dancey song. It has a nice beat, so we'll leave it at that. It's some sort of a, a beat ending, <laughs> and I also love talking to you very much.